Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, Southside, great to be with you today. So excited to be able to hang out with you, open up the Bible, give you God's good news today. It's kind of like what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. He said this, we love you so much that we gave you not only God's good news, but our own lives as well. Why? Because you have become so dear to us. And I believe that. That is my heart today. I don't want to just give you the Bible. I want to give you my life because you matter. You are so special to us and you are helping us accomplish mission and vision, build the kingdom of heaven, making it real easy to go to heaven from right here in Northeast Georgia. Amen. That's awesome. And so I'm so excited about all that is happening over both of our campuses, what we're seeing happening online, so many different things that God is doing and helping us be a part of. This month, We're talking about what it means to know God, a real, genuine relationship with God. And so I'm going to ask you this question. Do you know what that means? Do you know what it means to truly know God, to be in a personal relationship with Him? There's a recent study done throughout the United States where, and it revealed that some 50% of Americans say that they have prayed a prayer and that they believe they are going to heaven because that's what they've been told. However, however, half of these people, out of the 50% of people, half of these people have no regular presence in any kind of church, and two-thirds of them have lifestyles and worldviews that are no different than people that are outside of the Christian faith. So if 50% of Americans claim to be followers of Christ, but half of them, 25 or 50% of that 50% would say, hey, we don't have anything in our lifestyle that says that. Two-thirds of that number says that we don't even have uh, values or a worldview, ethics, morals that line up with the Christian faith. Man, what does that mean? What does that look like? And so I tell you what it means to me. It says to me that I don't know that we really know what it means to truly know and follow God. Jesus told his disciples, he said, if anyone wants to be a disciple, if you want to be a disciple, then you've got to deny yourself. You've got to pick up your cross daily and you've got to come and follow me. And so I think we see this. I think we have been immunized with shallow, superficial faith. Now, I'm the first guy that's going to tell you. I'll tell you all day long, man, I'm going to give people an opportunity to hear the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I want that, and I'm going to do it the way I did it. When I was 12 years old, my pastor, I remember sitting in a church setting. I was at a youth camp, and I remember hearing for the first time that I can remember hearing it. It wasn't the first time I'd been to church or in a setting like that, but it was the conviction of the, of the Holy Spirit of God. And I remember in that moment, I need to be forgiven. I need Jesus. And I didn't do it in front of everybody. I didn't bow my head and close my eyes and say a prayer, but afterwards... I went and found my pastor who was there at the camp, and I told him, I said, I'm lost. I need Jesus. And he sat there with me, prayed with me, introduced me to Jesus, and told me what I needed to do next. 
And you know what I did? I did exactly what he said. And so I think today I'm the guy that's going to say, hey, bow your head, close your eyes, pray with me if you want to know Christ. I believe that that matters. And I believe that it works. Now, when you do that, you become responsible for your decision. And and so we are responsible to share the good news. You're responsible to respond. And that's up to you. What you do is your choice and your decision. But I believe we have a vast majority of people in the United States of America that call themselves believers, but it's a shallow, superficial faith. And the tragedy is that this superficial, this superficial, this superficial faith has immunized many from seeing their need for what I would call the real gospel. A true, growing, vibrant, active relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we can do some damage by just by just praying a prayer and walking out and leaving and not doing anything with it. At the same time, we can do good with that because we're communicating, but the power is found in what takes place after that. When, when you allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to bring light, the life of God into your heart. And so, I don't want this for you. I don't want this for me. I want to see the need, the real true experience for the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what does real faith look like today? And we are going to go into the book of John, the gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the fourth gospel. And I'm going to share with you one of the greatest stories and encounters with Jesus that you have ever heard and the greatest sentence ever written in the history of the world. What does real faith look like today? And what if it's real faith, it's genuine faith, reveals three things, I believe, based off of this story. And so this, this is, we're going to look at John chapter 3, and, uh, and we're going to see an encounter that Jesus has with a religious leader in Jerusalem by the name of Nicodemus. This is what we see. Genuine faith reveals three things. Number one, it reveals our need. Number two, reveals God's grace. And number three, it's your choice. Number one, genuine faith reveals three things. Number one, it's our need. John chapter three, verse one. There was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, and he was a ruler of the Jews. So Nicodemus is a religious ruler of his day. He is highly educated, he is very wealthy, and very influential. And so Nicodemus is one of these men that that had a lot of eyes on him. He had a lot of influence in the culture, in the world, and in the church. And there had just been an encounter with Jesus at the end of John chapter 2. And it says, while Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many trusted in his name when they saw the signs he he was doing. But Jesus, however, would not entrust himself to them since he knew them all. Because Jesus knew what was inside of a man. 
okay? And so there were people that were believing in him, but, but it was only to a certain degree. People were following Jesus because of the signs, the miracles that they were seeing. It's kind of like John chapter 8, where later on we may talk about this. Jesus told a group of people who believed him that if you continue in my word, then you will be my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. It's all about, it's about continuing in this journey with Jesus. It's not about, I want to be clear about this, it's not about just praying a prayer and getting a feel-good moment and feeling forgiven and walking out and going back into whatever life you were living. That's not salvation, Salvation is about recognizing, first of all, our need for Jesus Christ. And that's what we see here with this man named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus was highly educated in the Jewish faith. And so this man came to Jesus at night. I don't think it was because he was scared to be seen with Jesus I believe Nicodemus truly wanted to know more from this new person that is on the scene. This person that they had heard was a carpenter from Nazareth, born in, to, to Mary and, and a carpenter named Joseph. And he had not been uh, systematically educated in the religious culture. Instead, he just steps onto the scene. But he comes teaching and speaking and preaching in a way that, that they hadn't seen or heard before. And he's backing it up with signs, miracles, and wonders. It is quite a scene. And so Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he says, Rabbi, Rabbi or teacher, okay, which is very, um, it's an important note to see. It's kind of astonishing that actually Nicodemus, who was a teacher and a ruler of the law, would refer to Jesus this way. I think that's about the, that's, that's all they had to go on. That's, they're trying to make sense of who he is. They're trying to figure it out on their own. And he says, we know. We know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. The first thing that you see is that it, when it comes to John chapter 3, it's the world's greatest tragedy. The world's greatest tragedy is revealed in this story. And the world's greatest tragedy is this. We are missing something in our life. There is a void that we have from birth, and the void is God. We are missing it. And it has been filled with a sinful nature that is prone to do selfish, bad, wrong, dirty, unbelievable things that are against God. And so that it, it, there is a need that we have from birth. And when people hear that and they, they connect with that, they want to make a decision for that. You know why? Because there is a part of us all that feel guilty and sinful. And, and when we're sitting in a setting like this or we feel guilty for something that we've done and the conviction of God comes on us, it moves us to make a response. But we're human. We want to make the easiest response that costs us less than anything else. What costs us the least? I want to make that decision. And if it makes me feel better about myself, I can go about my day in my business. That's not Christianity. Christianity is when the Word of God combines with the Spirit of God and brings the life of God inside of you. And so Nicodemus says, we know. We know there's something different about you. 
because no one could do these kind of things unless God were with him. Jesus replied. He said, I assure you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Okay, mine blown. In this moment, Nicodemus is trying to make sense of the life, the teaching, and the message and miracles of Jesus. And Jesus, who has the uncanny ability to be able to look directly into our souls, speaks to Nicodemus's need. Why? Because if you want to have genuine faith, it's revealed, first of all, by you and me acknowledging our need for God in our life. He says, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Who do you think you are telling this guy, this religious leader, who's got all these great things going for him, that, 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 that if you want to have a relationship with God, you got to do this. Well, this just messed Nicodemus up. Nicodemus said, but how can anyone be born when he is old? You can tell right there he doesn't understand. He said, can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? Nicodemus is trying to find a physical solution to what he perceives is a physical need. He's trying to find a reason to explain the the teachings and the physical acts that they are seeing Jesus perform. And Jesus doesn't speak. He uses a physical example of being born, but he relates it in a spiritual way. This is what he says. He says, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Jesus kind of goes back here to a um, to a to a uh, an Old Testament thought to creation. He really goes all the way back to Genesis chapter one, and he he brings together the water and the spirit, and he brings together the creative power of God and the spirit of God together. And he says, unless someone is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. You need, yes, it's, 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 it's our life. It's God's creative work. But then it's the spirit of God that comes into our life that makes the transformation happen. He says, whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. And whatever is born of the spirit is spirit. He's taking Nicodemus back to John the Baptist and the teaching of John the Baptist. See, John the Baptist messed him up too because John the Baptist comes on the scene preaching a message of repentance. Repentance that was manifested through baptism. It showed itself through baptism. And so here, Jesus is saying to Nicodemus, Nicodemus, unless you are born of water, repentance and baptism, and the Spirit of God, then you cannot be, you can't go to heaven. You won't be born again. And so he's tying his message to the message of John the Bible, or John the Baptist, which was exactly a prophetic fulfillment of scripture of what was going on. And so Jesus is, in, is, is, is encountering this highly intellectual man in a way that is that this man just can't even begin to comprehend. And he says, do not be amazed that I told you that you must be born again. And he goes from the birth analogy to wind. 
He said, the wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Nicodemus asked him, he says, how how can these things be? He said, this is what he's saying. Nicodemus says, I just don't get it. I mean, there's all kinds of people. We're going to talk about them throughout this series. We're going to see people that don't get it. We're going to see people that really need it. We're going to see people that that just don't, uh, they, they, they don't know how to get to it. And then we're going to see people that can't see it. This was Nicodemus. Nicodemus said, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I'm trying to make sense of all these things, but I don't get it. And Jesus said this. He said, are you a teacher of Israel? And you can't grab hold of these things. He said, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you in Jesus's communication here. He said, this is simple stuff. You see, God made humans to be inhabited by God and the human spirit was made to be inhabited by the spirit of God. But sin messed that up. And here Jesus is trying to communicate the first step of genuine faith is realizing that you have a need. You have a need in your life for something that you don't have. And this is what it is. You must be born again. You must be born again. No, not going back into your mother's womb and being born physically. He's saying you've got to be born again spiritually. And that manifests itself through repentance and baptism. Do I have to be baptized to go to heaven? No. But repentance is key. I've got to repent of my sin, turn from that direction, turn toward Christ, and it manifests itself. It shows itself openly through baptism. And so the first thing that you and I have to see when it comes to genuine faith is our need for it. Number two, we've got to understand his grace because our need for it should lead us straight to Jesus Christ and the grace of God. Verse 11, Jesus said, I assure you, we speak what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but you do not accept our testimony. Who is the we? Well, the we here is Jesus, is his disciples. He's speaking about John the Baptist. He said, we speak what we know. We're talking about what we have uh, uh, what we have knowledge of and what we have experience in, what we have experienced personally. We testify to what we have seen. He said, but you don't accept our testimony, Nicodemus. He said, if I have told you about these things that happen on earth and you don't believe, how will you ever believe if I tell you about things of heaven? And here John says, Jesus said in this moment, no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Now, you got to understand, John the Apostle is writing the Gospel of John after Jesus has been on earth, he's, he's, he's been crucified on a cross. Three days later, he arose from the grave. Forty days after that, he ascended into heaven. Ten days after that, the, 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 the day of Pentecost came, the church erupted. And later on, now John is writing his account of the life of Jesus. And he builds his gospel around seven major statements of Jesus and seven major miracles. And at the end, he said, I could have written so many other things. I could have told you so much that there's not enough paper on the planet to cover it. 
And he said, but these things I have written to you so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that you may know that you have life in his name. He said, John is now speaking because he knows that Jesus ascended into heaven because he saw it. And he knows he descended from heaven because he was the son of God. And now he uses an Old Testament story. He says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, Jesus is using the last known recorded miracle of Moses where Israel sinned against God, God brought serpents, poisonous vipers into their midst and they began biting people and killing people. And Moses is praying, going, God, stop it. And God told him what to do. He said, you need to make a bronze image of a snake, put it on a pole, on a stick, on a piece of wood and lift it up. And everybody put their eyes toward that serpent on that pole and they will be healed. Crazy story, really weird. But he said, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That snake represented healing, but but, but yet the snake was the thing that brought death. And Jesus said, the Son of Man must be lifted up in the same way. What did that mean? It meant that Jesus would take on the poison of the world and he would be lifted up on a pole so that you, Nicodemus, so that you people that are watching today, so that you, Pastor Jeff, could look into that place, look up at that representation on the cross and look just by looking to him, just by looking and placing your gaze in your faith, you're placing your faith in that viewing of him so that you can have forgiveness in life in his name. It's a, it's a look of faith. Verse 15, so that everyone, so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. You see, in this story, we get the world's greatest tragedy. And that's that man is born in sin. And that sin is punishable by death and hell. But here we also get the world's greatest truth. And the world's greatest truth is this. It's found right here. John chapter 3, verse 16. You know it. All of us have heard it. We've seen it. For God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. In Genesis 1, we get the account of God's creative story. In Exodus chapter 20, we get the Ten Commandments, which is God's legislative power being revealed, his law being given. In John chapter 3, verse number 16, there are 10 words that reveal to us God's redemptive power. Creative power, legislative power, and redemptive power. These are the words. God and Son, the giver and the gift. 
the author and the finisher, loved and gave. The prerequisite of the gift is love, and the proof of the gift is that he gave. The world and everyone, it's all people and it's individual people. The world is everybody. That everyone is an individual gift to anyone who believes, believe and have. Believe is to trust and, tra- and is to trust and have confidence. Have is to, is to transfer and have, and have that, have that faith. And so it's contentment. And then finally, perish and life. One is utter lostness and the other is ultimate life. You got 10 words that show you God's amazing grace. Three things are necessary for for genuine faith. One is you got to see your need, and that leads you to His grace. And Jesus said, in order for us to see that and for you to grab that, the Son of Man had to be lifted up. Your need, our need, His grace. And finally, your choice. It really is your choice. It's not chosen for you. It's a decision that you get to make. That's exactly what it is. Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 17. Man, don't a lot of us, we know John chapter 3, 3, 16, but how many of us know John 3, 17? Come on. For God did not send His Son into the world that he might condemn it. No. No. But that the world might be saved through him. Here in this story, you see the world's greatest tragedy, which is man being separated from God. Do you also see the world's greatest truth? Is that God made a way for you to be reconciled to him through his son? And finally, the world's greatest test. And the test so you get to choose, 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see whether or not you are in the faith. Choose for yourselves, Joshua 24, 15, whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. As there's all kinds of ways for us today to see this, but ultimately it's your choice. God didn't send his son into the world that he might condemn it, but that the world might be saved through him. And anyone who believes in him is not condemned. But anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. It's as simple as this. Pastor Jeff, why do you ask people to bow their head and close their eyes? Why do we ask people to pray a prayer and believe with faith? Because I believe (laughs) that's all it requires for you to open the door. Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you'll open the door, I will come in. It's as simple as turning the handle, opening the door and inviting him inside. But he doesn't just come for a meal to stay and go. He comes to live. See, you and I can't respond to spiritual truth in natural ways. 
It's as simple as this. Every human being has a choice. Every one of us. Eternal life or eternal death. Genuine faith today is revealed in three ways. Number one is our need, which leads to His grace, and it brings us to your choice. There's a great verse in the Old Testament. It's called, it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. And I love it because I think it communicates the heart of God. And this is God speaking through Moses to a rebellious, sinful people that are repentant and ready to enter the promised land through faith. God said, I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today. (laughs) Talk about sitting in a courtroom and you've got witnesses against you. He's got heaven and earth. Okay, that's me. I'm guilty, all right? I'm, I'm in, if I'm in front of that, he said, I'm calling that as witnesses against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. See, see, let's think about that for a second. Which one would you pick? Life and death, blessing or cursing? Oh, let me see. That's so difficult. That is so hard. That is such a tough choice. No, it's not. It's not hard at all. In your right mind, thinking in this moment without any temptations, without any distractions, without anything else, which would you pick? Life and death, blessing and cursing. I think 100% of people would pick life and life and blessing. I almost said life and death. That doesn't work. <laughs> life and blessing. If we drew a line today, had everybody stand up and said, you pick, step to one side. This is life and blessing. This is death and cursing. Which one do you pick? Life and blessing. Look at the heart of God. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. See, this doesn't just affect you. This affects oh, so many more than just you so that you and your descendants might live. See, the Word of God plus the Spirit of God always equals the life of God. And today, I want you to get it. I want you to know it. I want you to receive it so that then you can go and live it. Really and truly, it's the greatest story ever told. I think it's the greatest chapter in the Bible because it has the greatest sentence ever written. Nicodemus, in his day and time, would have been one of the most intelligent, well-known, and wealthiest individuals in that region. And he didn't get it. And Jesus said, Nicodemus, your need is just like everybody else's need. It's our need. And Jesus said, I've come to fill it. It's my grace poured out for your need. And it all comes down to your choice. It really is your choice today. Choose today. If you want a relationship with Jesus Christ, pray, believe, receive now. Put it to work and do something with it. If you want to know Christ today is your Savior, pray with me. 
Pray this with me. Believe this with me. Confess this with me. Say, Father God, I believe in you. And I believe you love me so much that you sent your son, your one and only son, to be my savior. Say to Jesus, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. By your grace, restore me to you. It's my need, it's his grace, it's my choice. So today, Jesus, say it to him. Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of my life because I'm ready. I'm ready to say yes to you. I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to obey you. In his name, amen. Amen. If you prayed that with me today, please follow the prompts and let us know. Please let us know that you made a decision today to trust Christ as your Savior. Let us help you take the next step in this journey with Jesus. I hope to see you next week. Have a great one. See you later. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with Him. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.